off and the clock has started. Here we go. This is 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. And Doug, Fruity Pebbles Popcorn, no, just no. <laughs> that was Shauna. Thank you very much, Shauna. And yes, this is 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prazak. And what uh, Shauna was referring to there, last episode about popcorn, I mentioned I had seen uh, Fruity Pebbles Popcorn as one of the flavors. <laughs> and I guess she was saying no to that. But you know what? I... I'm not so positive. I think we may have to uh, explore that. I'm going to go check with uh, my executive producer. So hang on for just a minute, okay? All right, my executive producer is here in the recording studio with me. And um, you recall last episode where I was talking about popcorn and the Fruity Pebbles popcorn? Yeah. Well, Shauna has a very specific take on that. She says, uh, no, just no. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe for the sake of the show, we should get some and, and try it out. <laughs> what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I'm going to have to agree with Shauna on that one. That's a hard pass. Huh. Okay, well, thank you for your input. Sure. Uh, I'm going to wait till she's gone, the door closed. Yeah, I'm going to buy some anyway. <laughs> okay, let's get this thing going. You know, I've been trying to uh, lose some weight. Actually, a lot of weight. But you know what does not help you lose weight? It's the holidays. Now, if you stop and think about it, there's actually about a six-month stretch of the year, half the year, that's not kind to you or to your scale. You know, mine groans every time it sees me coming. Well, seriously, six months in a row. It all starts in October with that Halloween day at the end of the month. Aisle after aisle of little mini candy bars in the stores. You know, you want to say no, but you just can't. I mean, it's right there. A bag of tiny little Almond Joys or Butterfingers or Snickers. You know, what's one little bar? <laughs> what's one little bar going to hurt? <laughs> you know how that goes. You know, next comes November with the gigantic meal uh, followed by the gigantic leftover meals at Thanksgiving. You know, hot on the heels of that is December with the uh, candy and chocolate candies and Christmas parties and gigantic Christmas dinners. Then January starts off with parties and then a football playoffs and a crap ton of snacks. So many that they'll last you through the end of the month. And that's good because then February hits us up with the heart-shaped boxes of chocolates and, of course, the National Snacking Day of the Super Bowl. March and April merge together, and that kind of finishes off with Easter. And, well, let's just say this, okay? Easter is the king of chocolate holidays. Sure, there's some jelly beans tossed in there, but the tonnage of Easter chocolate outweighs all the other holidays combined. Yeah, there's there was no research in that statement, but I'm, I'm just saying it because the chocolate Easter bunnies have hit the stores along with all the chocolate eggs and all the foil-covered chocolate somethings. So there you go. That's six months of an endless assault on dieting efforts. And if I break it down, I think there's one pretty common thread here. It's chocolate. So, so come on. I'm pretty sure you know what I did. And in case you don't, I did some research, so, you know, you didn't have to. So let's get into a chocolate. Not literally, because that would be an entirely different podcast. <laughs> when most of us hear the word chocolate, we have a, a, a lovely picture in our head of our favorite candy bar or one of those boxes of chocolates and those little brown paper cup things, or maybe even one of those uh, one-eared bunnies. And if you're probably thinking eat, 
you're not thinking drinking, but for about 90% of chocolate's long history, it was strictly a bitter beverage, not the uh, sweet, uh, rich tasting thing you know today. So let's talk some terminology because it can get a little confusing, at least for me. Most experts these days use the term cacao. Some people say cacao, but it's really pronounced cacao. I looked it up to refer to the plant or its beans before processing. The term chocolate refers to anything made from those beans. Cocoa generally refers to the chocolate in a powdered form, although it can be the British form of cacao. The history of chocolate starts out around 1000 BC in Latin America, where cacao trees grow wild. So let's see, 1,000 years B.C. and 2023. Uh, Yeah, chocolate's been around for about 3,000 years. The fruit from the cacao tree are called pods, and each pod contains about 40 cacao beans, and each tree can produce about 2,000 cacao beans. There's some math for you. (laughs) Sophie and Michael Coe, they wrote a book called The True History of Chocolate. So the history must be true since the word true is in the title. The authors say that the earliest linguistic evidence of chocolate consumption stretches back three or even four millennia to pre-Columbian cultures of Mesoamerica, such as the Olmecs and the Mayans. Now, the Olmecs undoubtedly passed their cacao knowledge on to Central American Mayans, who not only consumed the chocolate, they revered it. The Mayan written history mentions chocolate drinks being used in celebrations and to finalize important transactions and ceremonies. And some of those ceremonies didn't end very well, if you know what I mean. Despite chocolate's importance in the Mayan culture, it wasn't reserved for the wealthy and the powerful, but was actually readily available to almost everyone. The Mayan chocolate drink was thick and frothy and often combined with chili peppers, honey, or water. The Maya also used cacao beans as currency and in religious ceremonies. When the Aztecs conquered the Maya, they kept the chocolate tradition alive. The Aztecs drank their chocolate much like the Maya, although they sometimes liked it cold. From about 1200 to 1500, the Aztecs dominated the region and they continued using cacao as currency. According to a 16th century Aztec document, one bean could be traded for a tamale, while 100 beans could purchase a good turkey hen. (laughs) There's a deal. (laughs) The Maya and Aztec called their chocolate chocolatul, which means bitter water, since their beverage was a spicy tea-like drink of ground cacao, water, and spices. Chocolatul was mostly an upper-class extravagance, although the lower classes enjoyed it occasionally at weddings and other celebrations. And in case you're wondering, (laughs) as I go through my script here, chocolatul is spelled X-O-C-O-L-A-T-L. So there you go, chocolatul. Perhaps the most notorious Aztec chocolate lover of all time was the Aztec ruler Montezuma II. I guess the first didn't really care for it. I don't know. Uh, He allegedly drank gallons of chocolatul each day for energy and as an aphrodisiac. Oh, settle down, grow up. It's also said he reserved some of his cacao beans for his military. (laughs) I don't know what they did with them, but he reserved them for them. But you know what this episode is missing? Controversy. Oh, oh wait, here it is. There are conflicting reports about when chocolate arrived in Europe, although it's agreed it first arrived in Spain. One story says Christopher Columbus discovered cacao beans after intercepting a trade ship on a journey to America and brought the beans back to Spain with him in 1502. 
Another tale says it was returning Spanish friars who brought the cacao beans back to Europe. But the most common story is that it was the Spanish conquistador Hernán Cortés that was introduced to chocolate by the Aztecs. In 1519, Cortés and his men arrived in the Aztec capital, and legend has it that the Aztec king Montezuma welcomed the Spanish explorer. Come on in! Hey! Well, good to see you! Welcome! <laughs> you see, Montezuma tragically mistook Cortés for a reincarnated deity instead of a conquering invader. Cortez was treated to a banquet that included a drink made of chocolate, but we're not talking Nestle's Quick here. The chocolate drink didn't suit the foreigner's taste buds at first. One described it in his writings as, quote, a bitter drink for pigs. <laughs> they hated it because without sugar, cacao was fairly bitter. The Spaniards are credited with adding sugar or honey to the chocolate, making it more flavorful. Chocolate was the first caffeine to reach Europe, beating out coffee and tea by a few years. Other than adding sugar, little had changed in the preparation of the chocolate. In 1643, the Spanish princess Maria Theresa was betrothed to Louis XIV of France. You know that guy. She gave her fiancé an engagement gift of chocolate packaged in an elegantly ornate chest. Chocolate became extremely popular with Louis XIV and the members of his court at Versailles. By 17th century, chocolate was a fashionable drink throughout Europe, believed to have nutritious, medicinal, and even aphrodisiac properties. It's rumored that Casanova was especially fond of the stuff. <laughs> you be you, Casanova. <laughs> but chocolate remained largely a privilege of the rich until the invention of the steam engine, that made mass production possible in the late 1700s. In the early 1800s, Dutch chemist Conrad van Houten, he created the cocoa press, which removed the natural cocoa butter fat and left just the cocoa behind. He then pulverized what remained and treating the mixture with alkaline salts to cut the bitter taste. His product became known as Dutch cocoa, and it soon led to the creation of solid chocolate. That's right, here's to you, uh, Conrad. In America, chocolate was so valued during the Revolutionary War that it was included in soldiers' rations and was used in lieu of wages. By the 1850s, solid eating chocolate was developed by British chocolatier maker J.S. Fry & Sons. He added more cocoa butter rather than hot water to the cocoa powder and some sugar to make a moldable chocolate paste. By 1868, a little company called Cadbury was marketing boxes of chocolate candies in England. A few years later, milk chocolate hit the market, pioneered by another name you may recognize, Nestle. I think this is a uh, pretty good time to take a break. And when we come back, chocolate moves into the 20th century. At least I think that's what we're going to talk about. Don't go away. I'll be right back.
Well, that was certainly rousing, wasn't it? <laughs> this episode brought to you by Hershey's. So uh, let's get back into uh, chocolate, can we? Uh, chocolate manufacturing is more than a $4 billion a year industry in the United States. And get this one, the average American eats at least a half pound of chocolate per month. <laughs> and that's the average. And that tells me that some of you aren't keeping up uh, your share of the load. <laughs> in the 20th century, the word chocolate has expanded to include a range of affordable candy with uh, more sugar and additives than actual cacao in them. And they're often made from the hardiest, but the least flavorful of the bean varieties. More recently, there's been a chocolate revolution. <laughs> People are interested in high-quality, handmade chocolates. Major corporations, oh, like Hershey's and others, they've expanded their uh, fancy, artsy-fartsy, artisanal chocolate lines by purchasing smaller producers known for premium chocolates, such as Scharfenberger and Dagoba, 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 <laughs> And other and other independent chocolatiers continue to flourish as well. I've never heard, is it Dagoba? D-A-G-O-B-A. We're, we're going to call it Dagoba, okay? <laughs> and now for some of the famous names in chocolating, chocolatiering, in cho- you know what I mean. Godiva chocolate came to be in 1926 when Pierre Drops Sr. began making pralines in his home workshop in Brussels. His young sons, Joseph Francois and Pierre Jr., they all worked for the family business from an early age and took over the business when Pierre passed away. The family was deeply inspired by the legend of Lady Godiva, and in 1946, the company was named in her honor. (laughs) It's just so random. We really like uh, that whole Lady Godiva legend, so let's name our company after her. (laughs) Okay. Shortly after the Second World War, Lint master chocolatiers were tasked with inventing a delicious new way to enchant their customers. After what seemed like forever, the recipe was finally born in 1949. Feeling like this new recipe made chocolate taste like liquid gold, the name Lindor combines the French word for gold, or, with Lint, therefore Lindor. Domenico Ghirardelli was born in uh, Rapallo, Italy, and he received his education in the chocolate trade when he was apprenticed to a local candy maker as a child. By the time he was 20, Ghirardelli had sailed to Uruguay with his wife to work in a chocolate and coffee business. A year later, Ghirardelli moved to Lima, Peru, and opened a confectionery store. Now, in 1849, Ghirardelli received news of the gold strike at Sutter's Mill and he sailed to California. Ghirardelli opened a general store in Stockton, California, selling supplies and confections to miners heading up to the gold country. He opened a second store in San Francisco, which became his first establishment in the city. The Great San Francisco Earthquake and Fire of 1906 destroyed much of the city, but the Ghirardelli plant wasn't damaged and manufacturing operations resumed within 10 days after the earthquake. And if you'd like, you go to San Francisco, you can still see the original brick building there. As a matter of fact, I'm going to see it next week. Okay, that was a, a lot of info, but you know what? There may still be a couple of things you don't know about chocolate, but I have a list. <laughs> if I have a list, that means I have music. Recent market research shows global chocolate consumption for 2022 was 7.5 million tons of chocolate. 
Of all the countries, Switzerland ranked the first per capita with 8.8 kilos, or about 19 pounds for those in the U.S., of chocolate consumption per person that year. The top 10 was all comprised of Eurocentric countries, while the United States came in at number 19 spot with just a little over 9 pounds consumed per person. <laughs> wow. Daniel Peter initially came up with the idea for a chocolate bar in 1857. Unfortunately, he ran into some problems removing the water from the milk. The moisture level remained too high and that caused mildew to form. <laughs> Yummy! Luckily, he was neighbors with Henry Nestle. You can see where this is going. Nestle had developed a milk condensation process that produced dry powdered milk. It would take a couple more years before Peter was able to fine-tune his formula and launching his Gala Peter <laughs> milk chocolate brand in 1887. <laughs> I am not going to add anything else to that sentence. We already know that each cacao pod contains around 40 beans, but here's some more numbers. It takes 400 cacao beans to make just one pound of chocolate. Each cacao tree produces around 30 to 60 pods per year. So let's see. Yeah, okay. Each tree only produces about two to three pounds of chocolate per year. White chocolate isn't legally chocolate. <laughs> and if I may insult a few of you out there, white chocolate is just plain stupid and tasteless. There, I said it. <laughs> chocolate chip cookies were discovered totally by accident. In 1938, a woman named Ruth Wakefield thought that adding chocolate chunks to her cookie batter would result in chocolate cookies. Instead, she stumbled upon the recipe for what become the world's most favorite cookie, the chocolate chip cookie. Wakefield eventually sold the recipe to Nestle Toll House in exchange for a lifetime supply of chocolate. Good for you, Ruth. <laughs> in case you didn't know it, chocolate does funny things to our brains. The mere smell of chocolate increases theta brain waves, which trigger relaxation and reduces attentiveness. Well, that explains my college scores. Uh, in fact, a study conducted at Hasselis University in Belgium showed that when the scent of chocolate was diffused in a bookstore, sales of books increased, especially those in the romance novels. <laughs> Chocolate also contains tryptophan, which the brain uses to produce serotonin, which is a hormone that causes generalized euphoria. So apparently eating chocolate really does make you happier, but it ruins your test scores. <laughs> That's my story and I'm sticking to it. And lastly, I hope my dentist isn't listening to this episode. You know, and I know she's not since she doesn't even know I have a podcast. But if any other dentists are out there listening, research says chocolate is good for your teeth. Oh my God. I know. Chocolate has an antibacterial effect on the mouth. You see, eating pure cocoa has been shown to prevent tooth decay. Now that being said, you can go onto Amazon right now and order a tube of chocolate toothpaste. It was developed by Dr. Janelle Holden, who is a pediatric dentist, so she knows a thing or two. She's also a mom who knows it's important for kids to brush regularly. She worked with uh, formulation experts to come up with Tanner's Tasty Paste Cha-Cha Chocolate Anti-Cavity Fluoride Children's Toothpaste. Oh, and I think you know where this is going. Yep, I went on to that Amazon thing and I ordered a tube of Tanner's Tasty Paste Cha-Cha Chocolate Anti-Cavity Fluorid Children's Toothpaste. I had to find out. <laughs> and you know what? It's really good. I'm not kidding. You don't have that nasty fresh mint taste in your mouth. You got a mouthful of 
Mmm, tasty <laughs> hot chocolate toothpaste. Seriously, it's good. <laughs> Try some yourself. And I can't wait for my executive producer to find out I ordered chocolate toothpaste. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode. But first, as always, did we learn anything? Well, we learned that chocolate start off as a bitter drink for pigs, <laughs> at least according to the Spanish conquistadores. We learned that Montezuma II and Casanova really liked their uh, chocolatul, you know, that aphrodisiac thing. <laughs> and we learned, go ahead, brush your teeth with chocolate, or at least chocolate toothpaste. It's good for you. <laughs> and that will do it for episode 114. I will talk to you next time on 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>